You are now in with Altree. This podcast is brought to you by Stimulus Checks. Stimulus Checks. If you hate socialism, maybe it's time to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> everybody for tuning in before you get to this episode i just wanted to let you know that we had a little bit of audio difficulty we're still learning bear with us enjoy the show welcome to this <laughs> week's episode of downtown rats i'm i power my name is ali uh, paiva and today we're going to talk about michael jordan after the 1998 season so as uh, any casual sports fan in america did the last five sundays they watched uh, the Last Dance documentary on ESPN. So um, it was awesome because it gave me a great opportunity to, you know, catch some new sports content. But I think Ali and I, like, it was a cool bonding experience for sure. What do you think? <laughs> I guess not. I would just go <laughs> fuck myself. Yeah. Couples bonding. No, um, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really into sports that much, but. I really, I just, I just love documentaries. Like, I'll watch a documentary on any, anything, particularly, like, murder mystery stuff. But it did have murder mystery in it twice. So, like, you might as well just watch the documentary even if you don't like sports. Even if you just like watching people's lives, because it's pretty cool. I laughed, I cried. Yeah. I gasped. <laughs> the amount of uh, cultural influence that Michael Jordan had, whether you're a sports fan or not, uh, it's undeniable, and, you know, it's definitely something that's worth noting. Uh, just all of the things that he directly contributed to that people growing up and people that are already, you know, in full adulthood can reflect on and kind of reminisce. It's amazing how, how much of an impact he's really had globally. Pretty crazy, too. Like, I was in the hospital for two of the five Sundays that I was on, so Allie and I were FaceTiming each other and putting each other on mute, and then whenever we had a question for one another, we just kind of unmute ourselves and talk about it. It was really dope. And shout out to the hospital TV for having it literally a minute ahead of mine. <laughs> so I was like, you'd be like, oh, commercial break, and I wouldn't even be anywhere close to the commercial yet. But, I mean, <laughs> makes up for the tiny TVs because you knew what was happening beforehand. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, before I get into the information, too, Ali, i got to say, I think, like, the 98 Bulls, you might know more about that team than any other sports team, I think, like, factually. Because, I mean, we've watched Dennis Rodman documentaries together, yeah, I too. Don't, I don't pay attention to any sports whatsoever. So, you know a shitload about the 98 Bulls. Oh, which yeah. Is, which is pretty cool to know I don't really this. know a shitload. I know whatever was in the documentary, but I don't know anything That's else. That's good. And I had to ask a thousand questions, to Give yourself some credit, though. Okay, also... The one thing I hated about the documentary was it kept going back and forth in time. And it was it was, it was was cool if you knew what was happening, but if you had no idea what was happening, it was the most confusing thing I've ever seen. Because at one point they were like, oh, MJ's leaving. And then at one point they're like, oh, he just joined the team. Oh, <laughs> he just signed with Nikes right out of college. I'm like, what is he doing? How old is this guy? <laughs> 
<laughs> the format was definitely all over the place, but what I was able to gather, I guess, was, you know, they had different stages of career in the beginning, and then it just, at all parts in the documentary, it was related to the 98 season. So just kind of going back and forth. It was like a timeline from like 84 to 97, and then just 98 was as a whole. Also, Dennis Rodman like constantly stole the show. If he was ever in the shot, you were staring at his at his hair or at his face. Rather, even if he was all the way in the back, and, and it was like Michael Jordan talking. <laughs> Dennis Rodman. You were looking at Dennis Rodman and his ridiculous ass haircut. What, what do you think the most r- ridiculous thing about Dennis Rodman was in that documentary? What stood out to you? Um, when oh, he did so many things. It wasn't even a documentary about him. Yeah, I know. It was just like... It caused, um, when, I mean, him asking for a vacation, I guess, I guess it was pretty normal because at least he asked beforehand, but asking for a vacation in the middle of the season, he's like, yo, I just gotta go. And then just like ripping shit up and then coming back. But I think the craziest thing was, was it the 98 season? He just disappeared and went, and all of a sudden he was like all over the news because he was on like the wrestling thing. Oh man. During the finals, if I was his teammate, I would have been pissed, but his teammates understood how much of a fucking lunatic he was. You know, what's kind of funny. Like Dennis Rodman going on vacation to Vegas for those 72 hours and then staying past his, actually, I think it was 48 hours, I believe, but either way. Uh, him staying past his welcome allocated time for being on vacation. <laughs> that's like going on vacation and then fucking calling in sick the first day you're supposed to be back to work. Like, he fucked up. Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't know. That's just him. Now he's one of the most famous basketball players just because he was just ridiculous. His life is so ridiculous. And and also, like, like Car- are they still together, him and no. Carmen Electra? Yeah. I don't understand how she put up with that shit because she seems like a totally level-headed person. Like, she's talking in the documentary. You can't understand a word Dennis Rodman is saying. And he's just like... And you're, and you're like, They really okay. needed subtitles for him. And then, and then you see her and she's just like, yeah, he, you know, he just needed his time, and and we were here, like we were waiting for him. We knew, we knew how he was, and you know, he just had to do his thing. And I was like, yo, is she okay? <laughs> Think about it. Dennis Rodman married to Carmen Electra, took a limo to go see Madonna one time, went to a WrestleMania during the NBA Finals. Why you take a limo to see Madonna? Because to... he was hooking up with Madonna too. Oh, okay. I'm saying just all this shit, and then uh, you That's know. That's why I was wondering. I was gonna, I was gonna suggest that as a joke, but no, it was real. Hanging out with Hulk Hogan during the NBA Finals, and then freaking befriending Kim Jong Un. So it doesn't get any more ridiculous than that. Yeah, actually, it's fucking incredible. And he was on, uh, he was on one of the pizza reviews for Barstool Sports, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, Kim Jong Un is a great guy. <laughs> great guy. He, he's he's one of my friends." But then he, like, made fun of how short he was, and I don't know if that will go over well next time he goes to see him. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed that documentary, you know, just giving us something to watch on a Sunday night, some new content. You know, I, I think it was important for people to know that about Michael, too, and kind of clear the air about some stuff. I know the uh, food poisoning incident, the flu game was actually somebody poisoning his pizza, which my next question is, when they fucking order the pizza for that guy, would they say, hey, this is a large cheese pizza from Michael Jordan? Yeah, I would never freaking do that. Even if he was in his home city, even if he was in Chicago, I would never say, oh, maybe they all knew what hotel he was staying in and whatever, well, whatever. Five, 
fucking people that showed up at his door. Yeah, so they must have knew. Maybe it could have been accidental, though, because I remember when I used to make pizza, right? Like, I remember one time I had to serve Jordan Todman at Pizza But why did four people go to deliver the pizza? Hold on, I'm just saying. That That was a little suspect, because they wanted to meet Michael. Remember, like, earlier in the documentary, like, there was one point where there was, like, the equipment guy, and he asked him for an autograph, and then... The guy immediately it had to separate It could have just him. been the Sarducci's of Utah or whatever. Yeah, well, I'm saying, I remember working them. at Pizza Hut and serving Jordan Tobin and just being mad nervous because I'm like, damn, I'm serving a professional football player right now. Wait, what? When was this? Uh, that was like my first job, like, whatever. I didn't know that. The one day I waited tables and cooked at the same time I had to serve Jordan Tobin, which was kind of cool. Um, definitely a cool guy. And, I, you know, I remember um, playing basketball at the Boys and Girls Club. He played for Parks. Like, everybody knew that guy was going to be a professional athlete. He had he had it since a young age, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I think like the pizza chef gets the order right. Like imagine being just a chi- you you smoked a blunt, you're working your late night shift because it was like ten thirty when Jordan wanted this pizza, and you know you're smoking on your break doing whatever, and somebody tells you hey you got to make a pizza for Michael Jordan. Like I would be so fucking nervous not to get the guy sick or to fuck up the pizza that I could cross contaminate it in unintentionally you know like no i don't think so you think they tried to poison him well it wasn't utah it wasn't in chicago so yeah that's what i'm saying if it was in chicago yeah definitely it was a mistake but because it's in utah five people showed up to the room which means they knew that he was in there because you just said oh they came because they knew he was in there right suspicious they're in utah they want to see the Bulls lose because the Bulls... It's like if the Patriots were to go to any fucking city in America. Everyone fucking hates the... The last time we were in the Super Bowl, it was like, who people want to win in the United States? The LA Rams. The whole United States didn't, like, hated us. Yeah. So, that's the same thing. If Tom Brady were to go to any city, he'd be fucked. Yeah, the reason why the Patriots have so many national televised games this year is so America can see the Patriots fall hypothetically, but we're still gonna be nice this year. Mm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let this be too much of a football hot take episode, so I'll move on from there, but just know we're going Pats. We're still shotgunning beers no matter what happens, America. What's up? Anyways. I'm going 49ers because the sweatshirt looks good on me. It does. You're right. And they got they got and a really Garoppolo good Garoppolo looks good. <sighs> You know what happens, though, actually, is a lot of teams that lose the Super Bowl, they have something called the Super Bowl hangover, and they end up sucking the next year. Oh. So, it's Jimmy's contract year. He could end up being terrible and then end up in New England the following year. I hope so. Who knows? Yeah, anyway, so... Tell me about the Bulls. Yeah, so at the end of of episode 10, right, you got the Bulls owner saying how he extended a contract offer to Phil Jackson after Jerry Krause, that fucking dickhead... God rest his soul. Oh, he died? Oh, yeah, he died a long time ago. Or else they would have had He him. was in the documentary. Yeah, but, like, they took the clips from 98, so, like, Oh. He, yeah, but, and, like, some of the interviews were conducted later, obviously, but, um... Oh, dang, I've been bad-mouthing him this whole time. Well, yeah, he, he fucked like, up. He ruined one of the best fucking oh, sports franchises ever. Yeah, but you didn't ever. tell me he was dead. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't he have died. made fun of him if he was dead. Yeah, no, so he died, and he told Phil Jackson, I don't care if you go 82-0 this year, this is your last year. And then the owner obviously had some sense in him, but it was too little too late. So Phil Jackson ended up uh, not, you know, he ended up not coming well, back. I feel like Phil Jackson was a very, like, um, spiritual person. He like, is. he believed in, like, good and bad vibes and stuff like that. So I feel like because there were so many bad vibes, he was like, I don't want to stay here because I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a bad job and prove them 
right just because of all the toxicity, I guess. And it was it was not only that, but just kind of everybody was mentally prepared for that. And if it wasn't the same group to a core, yeah, it it just wasn't the same team. Like that Bulls team isn't that Bulls team without any player. Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, all the way up to Michael. You know, every single person had a extreme impact on that team and how they became so successful. That um, you know, if one piece of that was you know, changed or altered or that variable was switched out, then they weren't going to be the same group. So Phil doesn't come back. Um, Steve Kerr ends up going to the Spurs, and the Spurs end up winning the championship the next season, so Steve Kerr ended up winning a fourth title in a row. Uh, Dennis Rodman left. Uh, Scotty Where'd Pip- he go? Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> North Korea? Uh, Scotty Pippen got traded to Portland. Oregon or Maine? Oregon. He didn't get traded to the Red Claws. Okay. <laughs> but um, so, you know, Michael. He said at the doc in the documentary that he was signing one year deals every year. So he had the option, you know, to pull the plug whenever he wanted. Obviously, uh, when he retired after winning the championship in '93, he proved that when it was his time to make a move, he was going to make that move. So. Surprisingly, you know, he didn't sign a contract, but he also didn't announce his retirement until January of 99. You know, so a few So he stayed one more year? Well, so a few months had gone by in that season, he just wasn't under contract. January 13th, 1999, he officially announced his retirement from professional basketball. And basically, you know, he took that entire year off and then he decided to get into the front office. And that's what he's doing like in you know, the management side. Uh-huh. So, now... Oh, so I thought you said he played for another team yeah, after he did. the Bills. He, you just said he retired. He, well, he retired a second time. Oh my god, he's crazy. He's all over the place, right? So, he now he's actually the GM for the Charlotte Hornets, where Kemba Walker played. Okay, but, so uh, wait, go back. So, he, he retired in 90... So, he retired right after the Bulls? Yep, he retired and after that 98 season. He came back and ended up playing in Washington. So the Washington Wizards. He played in 2001 in Washington, right? Just for one year? No, hold on. So Well, I'm trying to ask you, and you're, and you're just like, no, I'm going to talk about his management no, but now. He, no, I want to talk about his basketball. But, but I'm trying to stay on a timeline. Management. But So this is what's wild, right? So he retired from basketball in 99, right? And he, on uh, January 19th of 2000, he became the GM, uh, well, president of basketball operations, I should say. But he was in charge of all of the roster of the Washington Wizards. And he was also part owner of the Washington Wizards in 2000, right? Wait, so he was the GM and the o- owner of the Yep, Wizards? so he retired from okay. basketball on January... No, you don't have to th- start from the beginning. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, though. January 13th of 99, he fucking retires from basketball. He smokes cigars and drinks liquor for that entire year. That. Yeah, exactly. So he was... Golfing, gambling, whatever. January 19th of 2000, he returns as the part owner and the president of basketball operations with the Wizards. So he had many different responsibilities. Obviously, he was the greatest player to play the game up until that point. Uh, so, you know, he, he was given the keys to the whip. So he managed to end up purging the team with several terrible contracts, right? What? So he ended up signing a bunch of terrible players. He didn't have good judgment. He didn't allocate money properly. 
Signed yeah. Jawan Howard, Rod Strickland, just guys that were kind of washed up, just not, not worth the money, not a part of a winning like older product. guys? Um, well, Rod Strickland was older. Jawan Howard, he was in his mid-20s, but he just wasn't a winner up you until You said that washed point. up, so I just... Yeah, so, well, I just think Jawan Howard now, and I just think of him on Miami when he barely played. Mm-hmm. Um, at the tail I don't know anything about basketball, so like I don't know any of these right. names. And then uh, Jordan ended up drafting, which is widely considered maybe the worst number one pick of all time. This guy named Kwame Brown. He was straight out of high school. Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. Yep. That sounds like a little kid saying like what his poop is. <laughs> Kwame Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was a piece of crap because he sucked so <laughs> bad. He was so bad, like so bad. Kwame Brown. And, uh, you know, basically they had hope that this guy would be good, but he wasn't. And do you remember in the documentary when Jordan played in the beginning, like in the beginning of his career, like when he played the Celtics and he dropped 63 points and his coach with the mullet, Doug Collins, Remember his first coach? No, I have The one that, like, kissed him on the cheek during, like, a press conference and stuff? Like, they were homies. I have no idea who you're talking about, but what about him? Doug Collins. So he was his coach when he played for Chicago. Okay. Um, he hired Doug Collins as the coach to coach Washington. The Nationals, okay. Washington Wizards. Nationals of baseball. Ah, uh, okay. I'm pretty sure you said Nationals in the beginning, so I'm just going to... Leave that there. If I did, I'm, I'm pretty sure cooked. I, because I, I, I don't know, whatever. Washington Wizards. I'm listening to, we'll listen to the playback, but I'm pretty sure you said Washington Nationals, and I was like, okay, because I don't know anything uh, about basketball. <laughs> they were the Washington Bullets, but yeah, the Washington Wizards. So, um, <laughs> so then you know, Jordan's like, damn, my team sucks. I own part of this team. We're trash. I'm gonna get back into playing shape. So, September 25th of 2001, he announced that he was returning to the NBA to play for the Wizards. Um, and he donated his salary uh, as a player to relief efforts for the victims of the 9-11 attacks. So, he came out of retirement mm-hmm. two weeks after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And he played 60 games. He had some injuries. And he actually ended up averaging 23 points after sitting out for two years. That's insane. Is twenty three points a lot? That's a lot of points. Yeah. You just said the other. You just said a minute ago that he he shot sixty points in a game. So now, yeah, that was just... so now twenty three doesn't seem like that much. Sixty sixty three points <laughs> in a playoff game, babe. Is it's never been done before. That's the most oh, okay. points ever scored in a playoff game. Not even by James Harden. No, even if he did, the team would have lost, and he would have taken way too many shots. That fucking tool bag. So yeah, Jordan tore cartilage in his knee, and that's oh. what cut his that's what cut his season short. Um, and then he ended up returning for uh, his final season uh, in two thousand two, two thousand three. That season, he played in his fourteenth and final NBA All Star game. Uh, so he passed Kareem Abdul Jabbar as the all time leading scorer in All Star game history, a record that has since been broken by two players. Who would those players be? Uh, LeBron James. Correct. James Harding. No, Kobe. Oh. James yeah. Harden hasn't been in the league long enough to do that, but it was a good guess. Um, Thank you. 
And actually, Jordan's last year, he was the only Wizards player to play all 82 games. Which, in the NBA now, like, a lot of players take time off. Like, they don't play every game. They'll, if there's a back-to-back, they'll take one of them off. It's called load management. Kawhi Leonard's notorious for that. (laughs) (laughs) Kawhi Leonard's notorious for taking games off. A lot of people get pissed at him. So, Jordan's last season, he still averaged 20 points as an old man. Shot 45% from the field, which is really good, and over 80% from the line. Mm -hmm. And then, even though he scored, excuse me, even though he turned 40 that season, he scored 20 or more points 42 times. Gross. 40? Yeah, he retired at 40 years old. He's 35. Um, And on February 21st, Jordan became the first 40-year-old to to score 43 points in a game. So he was running shit his entire life. Yeah. During his stint with the Wizards, all the home games were sold out, and the Wizards were the second most watched team in the NBA. Did he win a lot, though? Or did, like, the team win? The team didn't make the playoffs either year. Oh, dang. So... Despite his efforts. So that, there's your answer right there. It took the whole team piece by piece. It wasn't just him. And that that just says a lot, you know? Even if you're the best player. You got Michael fucking Jordan on your team and you can't muster up the courage to just play a career season, though. It's like Well, you just said that he put crappy players on the team and then he decided to join the team. But there were some so. bums, certified bums for that. Exactly. Like, exactly. So, so what do you expect? Because, certified bums to, to right. lift Jordan to the top? So Jordan, uh, you know, he, he said, too, like... He voices displeasure for the guys around him not playing that well. And he openly criticizes teammates to the media. And it just wasn't enough. Yeah. But he drew a crowd. I feel like he deserves to, honestly. Oh, definitely. And, you know, during his final season, people, you know, were paying tributes to him all year. Uh, he had a four-minute long standing ovation when he came back to Chicago. The Miami Heat retired the number 23 on April 11th, 2003, even though Jordan never played for them. Who? The Miami Heat. Remember when we went to Miami and they had like a Dan Marino sign? Like when we were sitting on the balcony, went to the Heat game, there was a Dan Marino. So his number is not retired and all all the... Michael Jordan's number is retired in Miami. Nobody will ever wear number 23 for the Miami Heat. Why? They retired it. That's why LeBron James wore number 6 when he went to Miami. But he, he never... Why did LeBron James take his number? LeBron James, because that was his idol. That's dumb. Like, LeBron came into the league in 03. Yeah. So, he grew uh, up watching Jordan. Okay. But why did they retire it in, Mi- in Miami if he never played there? That's Just dumb. out of an act of respect for the GOAT. But no other places have retired his number? Uh, Chicago. And I believe Washington retired his number as well. Oh, okay. You just said Miami Heat, so I was like, oh, why that? Yeah, but yeah, so he's got, he only played on two teams and he's got three retired numbers in the league. Um, And then he played his last game in Philly, April 16, 2003. Only scored 13 points that game. And he went to the bench with four minutes uh, and 13 seconds left in the third quarter. His team was getting their ass kicked. And just after the start of the fourth, the crowd started chanting, we want Mike, we want Mike. And then, after encouragement from Doug Collins, Jordan finally arose from the bench, re-entered the game, and with two minutes and 35 seconds left, 
And after the foul shot, he got intentionally fouled at a minute 45. He, uh, you know, took his free throws, and then there was an intentional foul, and he went to the bench and received a three-minute standing ovation from teammates, uh, officials, coaches, opponents, and 21,000 people were at his game. And then he went on to become one of the worst GMs in NBA history still. Where did he go to after? The Charlotte Bobcats slash Charlotte Hornets. They've been terrible. Like there's Murder Hornets! I don't think he's ever even GM'd a team to make the playoffs. Maybe the Hornets once. Listen, you can only be good at one thing. You don't go to player to coach or player to GM or whatever. Alex Cora. Well, Alex Cora, fucking great coach. How was he as a player? Average. Exactly. Very average. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think, like, really one of the only, like, people to really be, like, good in both, I guess. Like, Larry Bird. And then Larry Bird ended up, he's the GM for the Pacers. But he got out of coaching by choice. Yeah, he is a good GM because the Pacers are a very consistent product. Steve Kerr, he's the Golden State Warriors coach. He's won multiple titles with them. He was an okay player. You know, he was a role player. I don't really know. Uh, If you want to go back on it, like, Tommy Heinsohn, the announcer for the Celtics, that really old guy. Okay. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's a Hall of Fame coach, and he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Oh, really? So he completed the trifecta. I didn't know you could make the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. Yeah. It's part of the culture, part of the part of the game. All right. Well, I stand corrected. But Michael got issues, you know? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it was. I just thought it was pretty interesting, like, the whole reason why I kind of went over that. I just thought it was, like, interesting that he owned the team and then came out of retirement and played for that team. That that's just like the epitome of like if if you want something done right, do it yourself. You just kind of like, well, this isn't working. Right. I guess I'll come back. Right. I don't but know. He's super... he's a routine gambler. I think he liked gambling with shitty players <laughs> as much as he loved gambling with his security guards. That um. That's very, uh, that's a very interesting observation. Yeah. You know, because he did, he has rolled the dice on some interesting draft picks. Michael Kidd Gilchrist being one of them. He sucked, but he picked him very high at number two, and it was unexpected. People that listen to this that follow sports, you'll, you'll get that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't understand anything. But yeah, and, and and it's just really cool that he ended up getting to play for Doug Collins again because he played for him early in his career with the Bulls and then ended up playing with him again and playing for him again in Washington. Um, Looks like the oldest player in basketball. The oldest player in the NBA right now? No, I mean like what yeah. has been the oldest like retirement age in basketball because I feel like it's really hard on you on your body. I don't I don't see why it like is. how you can. Stay in that long. Ooh, so that's a really good question. Um, I feel like the oldest player to retire retired at like maybe like 41 or 42 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look this up. Oldest NBA player. It's probably going to be some guy in the 1930s like 78 years old and it's like right? him with the with the basketball. And yeah, like- of course. This, this guy, I've never even fucking heard of this guy. Nat Hickey. 
<laughs> he played one game in the 1947-48 season when he was 45 years <laughs> and 363 days old. Oh, I thought you were going to say 365 no. pounds. <laughs> no. Wait, what? What team? Nat Hickey. Let's see. He played for the Providence Steamrollers in 1948. Well, wait, are, is that a real... 1948? Yeah. Yeah, see, I told you. So actually, I think that was Freaking. like the, actually the ABA. I didn't even know Providence had a fuck. That's fucking dope. It was only four years? Wow. That doesn't count. Yo, what if I came out with clothes with that shit? Like, that'd be some true, like, if you know, you know kind of shit. Like, I remember going to, like, the Army Supply Store in Providence on Thayer Street, and they'd have, like, the Rhode Island Reds shit. Yeah. That shit's fucking tight. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, some other other older players. Kevin Willis, he retired in 07. He was 44. Robert Parrish played for the Celtics. Okay, see, that's what I'm looking for, like, closer to now. Because back then, I feel like people were, like, superheroes, but also died at, like, 45. Right. Yo, so, Vince Carter, who actually... He may or may not have played his last game, depending if the NBA season comes back. He's on Atlanta with the whole quarantine thing going on. 43 years old. That's dope. Where does he play? He plays for Atlanta now, but he was most well-known for playing for the New Jersey Nets and the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i sad it's over. I kind of wish they spread that documentary out to be 10 weeks, one episode per week. But at the same time, those two-hour windows, fully locked into that shit. And now we're going to have documentary Sundays. Yeah, against my will. Against your will? (laughs) Well, you didn't say sports documentaries. You just said, oh, documentary Sundays. Like, it's going to be stuff I want to watch, too. No. Listen, I'll appreciate it. First one's going to be the Dennis Rodman documentary because that shit's going to be great. And then we can watch, damn, there's like so an, many directions. Probably like a WNBA documentary. Actually, we got to watch the 2008 Celtics documentary. Okay. Think, just so you can enjoy like the ultimate joy that I felt as a Celtics fan. <laughs> the one title I've seen them win in my life. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll have another episode talking about that. Because you'll be like, damn, KG's the shit. Paul Pierce, I know why you love him so much. Ray Allen, he's a bitch. (laughs) Um, So yeah, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, We're going to leave y'all with a local track as we do every week. So this week we got my boy Camden Murphy. He just released a new song on Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, all that shit. It's called Search for Happiness. So I'm going to leave y'all with that. And we'll talk to you soon with the Downtown Rats. Yeah, and we'll figure out a day to release all this shit soon, too, so stick around. Washington Wizards or Washington <laughs> Nationals, we'll find out on the playback. Camden Murphy, Search for Happiness here on W Downtown Rats. Where we end up If we happy in the end, love, the end, love. The end, love.
So you should take my hand. You should come and take this dance. Can I be your change of plans? Can I be your change of pace? Would you come and ride with me? Can I be your change of place? Can I be your change of city? Can I be your motivation? Be your inspire. You my lighter. You my grinder. I'm your paper. Take you higher. Take you on this trip. Warm days and cold coffee. I've been ducking, trying to get these demons off me. Can I'm softly? Drown them slowly. slowly. I've been jumping fences, ducking questions, running from the police. But then search to the happiness and everything that's after it. You tell me to go after it. You love me, is that accurate? I die for being passionate Writing all these letters that I plan to get to you You can do what you wanna do Said I am living proof Just wanna vibe with you These pistachios and fruit Lay the blanket down Picking up the basket you can choose You just gotta get to know me, love That's just half the battle I just wanna smoke weed, show love And go travel on the east side Dropping hits, I feel like Mickey Mantle On the beach, smoking weed On the porch, we light the candles All in search of the happiness and everything that's after it Tell me to go after it You love me, is that accurate? I said we searching for the happiness I die for being passionate while searching for the happiness